Now it's time for Inspirational Women, and we meet Nita Whitaker, a beautiful woman, a performer, a singer, and an author. The book she's just had released is When Your Hand is in the Lion's Mouth, The Life and Wisdom of a Man Named Green. Nita honors the life of her father, a man whose influence touched not just his children, but their friends, their community. This is also a reminder for us to connect with our own family and share the stories. Nita Whitaker, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It is really such an honor to have you join us today to talk about your father through the context of this wonderful book, When Your Hand is in the Lion's Mouth, The Life and Wisdom of a Man Named Green. And Green is your father. Green is my dad. And it feels like he is such an ideal dad that he's he's the father, you know, all of us would wish that we had, even when we've had really wonderful fathers, and I did. So uh, how wonderful to have Green as your dad. It's been more than uh, a gift to my life to have someone so steadfast and who lived by the example of goodness and kindness, hard work, uh, faith, integrity. Um, it's different when our parents tell us something as opposed to when we see them doing it. And I think the example that he set uh, and continues to is, is marvelous. And he is the dad. Every All of my friends, when they meet my dad for 10 minutes, 5 minutes, I wish he were my dad. Can he be my dad? So through this book, he can be your dad. <laughs> Yes, of course. <laughs> we can all be the adopted children of. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, and, you know, our dads come in all shapes and sizes. And the thing is, you know, we're, they, just like any of us, are as perfect as we can be because we're all learning lessons. I feel, though, with the, the life that Green Whitaker has lived... It's just been amazing. I think trying to see this picture of the hand in the lion's mouth really speaks volumes uh, because of his circumstances. And you know, here we are, I'm going to say celebrating, and it is celebrating mm-hmm. Juneteenth. The first time, by the way, that uh, in the state of Washington, this is uh, a holiday. Hooray! Yes. Hooray. <laughs> yes. With many celebrations planned. And uh, yes, it is great that we're doing that. This goes back a century and a half, 1866, right? That's right. That's right. Right. Well, we know the Emancipation Proclamation was signed in 1863, but it wasn't in full effect. And uh, this was a celebration two months after it was actually, like, enacted in the state of Texas that the slaves were made aware that they were free, but they weren't. Don't go to your cops. Stay on your jobs. It was, don't go to your local. Basically, you're free, but you're not. But still, this day marks that day of you don't have to be in that subservient role anymore. And um, it was unbanning the systems that had held them there for so for 400 years. So the bigger part of Juneteenth and what I choose to look at it is not just that day of you're free, the emancipation of people from the, the institutions of slavery. But it is also the celebration of the resilience of the black family, mm-hmm. the celebration of the resilience of the black culture, 
in America, and I think that's really important. And that Father's Day falls on this day, a day that we revere and honor the men who have loved us, schooled us, hopefully been good fathers to us. So the two of those coming together is really, uh, I don't know if it's ever fallen on that day because it hasn't always been celebrated. It has in my dad's day. They had another name for it, which I don't think I could say on the radio Mm. when he was a little boy. And they would usually get the day off or the inward day. Mm. Um, But uh, it is a, a, a different day today, and we celebrate the courage and the resilience and the fortitude of all those who came before us and those whose shoulders we stand on so that we can be where we are as, uh, as a country, still flawed as we all are, uh, but also the resilience of the black family and black culture in America. And your dad, Green Whitaker, certainly epitomizes that. Because well, just the color green means so yeah. much. Just the color of immortality, mm. the color of the heart chakra. And um, he has such a unique name, and he is as unique as his name in the way that he chose this divine path of growth in his own life uh, for his part of the American dream. He just wanted to work, raise a family, do good in the world, get close to God, and he hands it me throughout my life, me and my siblings, all these lessons gained through worldly experience, gained through a life that he had lived and things that he had experienced. He was able to teach us so that we could know the road a little better. Yeah, did we still step in the potholes? Absolutely, because that's, that's what human, to be human is all about, is to find your own path and go your own road. But I had such a wonderful guide, and uh, this practical, it's not anything life-shattering. Sometimes it's just something that will make you go, hmm. Sometimes it's just the story, stories that I've included in the book of his life and what he experienced going from being landowners to being sharecroppers, picking cotton when he was a very little boy, what that was like, um, to now, you know, having a life where he can sleep in, and, and he's had a good life, and he made a good life in our, for our family. And the other thing is, on Juneteenth, for Father's Day, we don't hear enough stories of good black fathers. We don't see them in our media. We don't read about them. That's the other reason I wanted to put his name, his experience, his lessons into the lexicon, because we need to hear and see these beautiful, not stereotypes, but beautiful fathers who show up at their daughter's plays. And my daughter, my dad hasn't missed a thing that I've done. Growing up, he was at every parent-teacher meeting. If I had two lines in a play, and he was working sometimes five jobs, he was there. And he let me know he was there by clearing his throat. And that would be all I needed. That would be all I, if I was having a performance, my daddy was right there. And so I'm really blessed. I know every child doesn't get that. I had the gift of a great dad, and I want to throw him into the lexicon of when we're celebrating dads. We don't hear enough about great black fathers. They're out there. We just don't hear about them. So I'm telling you the story of this one, my dad, who happens to be named Green, who could be tall as a mountain or big as a mountain or tall as a tree. Is that what Kermit the Frog said? Yes. And as broad, being green, being as broad as the fields. That's right. That's right. And so that is so great that it came to you that you should share your life experiences with your dad, Green. And and you say that you've already said, you know, the, the challenges in his life, although 
the way that you share it doesn't make it seem like it was horrors and horrific. And yet, I'm sure, as a child picking cotton, it couldn't right. have been fun. When uh, exactly. It, right? it was the life he was born into. Yeah. And what he said to me was, when you don't know anything different, you make the best of what you have. So they were a very large family. My dad is the second youngest of 19 children. They all worked. His whole community, they all were all farmers. When they started, they had their own land, and they farmed their own crop and cotton and all of that. When the land was taken from them or forced to sell, that's, that's in the book. You'll have to read it. Um, they moved and became sharecroppers, so they went from being landowners to being sharecroppers. And in that moment, it could have been... Uh, anger-producing, and for the rest of his life he could have been angry, but he chose, and his family and his father, I have to give it to his father, Isaac Whitaker, who said, this is what we're doing now, and they just did it. And they, because he had a great family nest, they were all in there working together. And my daddy says, even though it was hard work, it was a good life because they were all doing it together. There was harmony and the hum of the work. They were... They had a great uh, foundation of faith within the family. Church was a centerpiece of their, of their, of the culture, and um, it was uh, a time, especially before they started sharecropping. It was a beautiful time, all working together toward common goals. You know, there was love in the home, a sense of well-being. Isn't that what every child deserves? It's what my father had, and it's what he gave to me and my siblings. And that is not something that money kind of wealth brings. It's exactly. its own. This is certainly not a story of wealth. <laughs> it's, it's a different kind of rich, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. And, and saying how family was so key here, grandfather modeled it for his yes. children. Your father then was present uh, and modeled it for you. And at a time, you were a teenager when your mother died. So you yeah. were a single-parent family where Dad was right there doing mom and dad roles. And, and you said he worked five jobs at times. Yes, he did. My my firstborn brother uh, was born, uh, and they discovered it probably about five or six months um, after um, that his legs didn't work the way that others did. So he was born with special needs. He was on the spectrum of cerebral palsy. Um very, uh, it's a specific kind. I explained it in the book. It's called spastic hyperplasia. My other background is I'm a registered nurse, so I, I didn't understand it then, but I do understand it now. I just, you know, my brother walked differently than we did. He didn't really walk. He was 13. He had about, I don't know, seven or eight surgeries to try to lengthen the muscles in his legs or add muscles to his legs because it causes like a stiffness in the lower body. From his waist up, he is an Adonis. He is very strong. He's been able to have a really beautiful life, but my parents mainstreamed him. They found every way that they could, as a chapter in the book, find a way to give him the best beginning with these special needs. My mother worked on his diction. He has perfect diction. He has uh, some intellectual disabilities, but it has not stopped him from working at General Motors and General Electric on the line, doing right, right next to other people. When originally the jobs that were offered to him were sitting in a room with other intellectual disabled uh, people selling light bulbs. He said, no, I'm not doing that. My parents did an incredible job. So there were four of us, and my dad sometimes had to work one job just to pay for my brother's shoes. Um, Shriners Hospital for children, 
uh, in New Orleans is where he had uh, his last surgeries and was able to walk. He still walks with a crippled gait, but it has not stopped him from having a full, beautiful life, and I give my parents full credit for that. I talk to him every other day. He, he's an amazing being, and that's just an example of, um, you know, often of the kind of people that they were, but that's an example of the tenacity that they had, that they were going to find a way, but they, they put him in regular school. Fall, get up, son. They didn't help him. They let him get up himself. We learned while he was learning. There was so, the, the gift of this family, and I think especially if you have someone who does have some kind of challenge like that, you learn a different kind of tolerance for all people. And um, it, my brother is a gift, and he is one of my heroes. Uh, and I, I can't say enough about the way my parents uh, parented him with no limitation. They're just, they were brilliant. And um, yeah, my dad and my mom were quite a pair. Like attracts like? Yes. So they were just hero and heroine in your life. And yes, the story of it being so used today's terminology of inclusive with your yeah. brother. I can see, I can feel the lessons that come from that, that all of us could incorporate rather than saying, well, you know, special things need to be done here and and or sent to a, another school. Um, that inclusion, I'm it's sure. everything. Yes. There's a sense of, um, I, don't, and I, I don't know if it's still that way today, but I think it's a lot less. But when my brother was born, children who had physical or intellectual disabilities, they were kept home. They were just, they would go outside and they would go beyond their street or their house. There was nowhere that we were that my brother wasn't. He was right there with us. And when he couldn't, before he could really walk, my dad would just carry him on his shoulders. You know, that inclusion, because also they want to be seen like everybody else. He wants to feel, he wants to feel like he could have as normal a life as anybody else. He wants to ride a bicycle and do all, and he did all of that. He drives a car, he has to have a special handbrake. He drives a car, and he's bought four or five of them. Um, so he is, um, you know, just an, another example of the kind of parents that we were given. Not everybody can, can handle the, and I'm going to say the gift of a child that has a challenge. Uh, you have to rise to it in a different way. And I just quietly, from my, I'm the youngest of the family, I was just watching and learning, watching and learning. And... I always knew my parents were exceptional people. I always knew that. That's why this book is just such a gift to all of us. We don't need a how-to manual. Just reading these stories, I think it's the old way the Hasidic Jews taught Mm -hmm. was by sharing stories. We take from it what applies, right? Yeah. That's so true, and I think... You know, my dad is the portal to his large Louisiana family, and once he is no longer with us, which we hope won't be for several years, those stories, where do they go? And I wanted to preserve them for myself, for my daughters, for my future grandchildren, um, and for the world to know, you know, every life is a story. And your life, your parent, every life is a story, and sometimes it comes with them. That's, our life wasn't perfect. I, I'm not, my dad, a perfect man. Absolutely not. But it's more of a sharing and a revelation of, of the good that he is and a celebration of that, in particular on Father's Day and Juneteenth. 
and, and it's interesting when you say he wasn't a perfect man, it wasn't perfect. However, there's maybe it's a different word we need then, like that lessons were learned so we could become the best we could be that he well he certainly became the best he could be and absolutely right and passing absolutely. it on for further generations so we're, we're creating such a better place for the world to be absolutely there are choices in life that can make you better or better it's a choice he chose better and that's how he the center of that is joy and that comes from his faith he has had an un wavering connection and faith with God. It is, I, I have chills when I talk about it because I have not known one night that my dad hasn't had prayer time by himself. He said, I'm going to spend some time with the Lord. He goes in his room, and until he had two knee replacements, and until the first one he didn't get full range of motion, but before that he was on his knees, and that was till he was 70, every night to this day, he will sit at the side of the bed. He keeps his Bible there. It is his time to stay connected. And he is one of my prayer partners. He's my one of my prayer warriors. Um, he got me through uh, when I uh, was widowed in 2008 because he had walked the same path. He was the one I turned to. Dad, how did you do it? He would just give me the right word, the right phrase, the right sentence. Honey, read this scripture and just keep getting, he said, keep getting up. That's the chapter. Keep getting up. Because, you know, grief makes you want to not get up. And his encouragement and his knowingness, because of our parallel shared experience, uh, really helped pull me and my kids up and through our lives. And you had witnessed his doing that as you were growing up because you lost your mother when you were young. Yeah. And so it was not just placating this was lived wisdom that he yes. was sharing yes it's an experiential kind of wisdom which is the the best kind there's all kinds of you know wisdom you get from reading a book or 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 learning it in the classroom but experiential wisdom is the greatest kind of wisdom because it really comes from that learned experience and he has so much of that to share from his 96 year perspective but all along he's always been a teacher he's always been a gentle teacher, not one that forces it. He just kind of shows you and lives it and may throw you a little, a little nugget now and again. And you go, oh, got it, Dad. <laughs> yeah. And he, he's in his 97th year. He's 96 yes, he now, which is so wonderful to have lived this life and to be sh continuing to share the wisdom and share these stories so that you could then... Uh, chronicle them so that we can all learn from them because I th think about how with what he, the life that he has lived and he then said you share with us in the book how he he says that we're not defined by what happened to us yes right it doesn't matter your circumstance you can be better than whatever happened to you uh, that was a big lesson and I think it's something we all need to hear um, something that I certainly uh, learned from and, and used in my life to keep me moving forward. We just, if you want something, you just go for it and you work for it and hopefully the doors will open up, but there's a tenacity that has to be built in you, a fire in you. It can't come from outside of you. It has to come from within you. But he just kept living that. And 
we all, you know, uh, my pastor said something really profound once. He said, some things are caught and some things are taught. Mm. And so I caught a lot of things, but I also was taught a lot of things. And I had um, a great teacher in my dad. And we can also benefit from that. If we accept, we're always learning. So here's just a wealth of wisdom to learn and incorporate as we can and choose in our own lives because the world so needs this right now. We've needed it for a while, but really right now. Yes. We need to hear um, the word peace more often and not power. Um, I think that is uh, the shift that's happening right now. I think I think uh, love is a compass that we need to operate from more than right and wrong. Uh, and, you know, my dad watches. He says he, every night at 10, let's watch the news and see what's going on in my town and in the world. That's what he says. Okay, Bob, so we watch. Sometimes I can't watch it because, you know, if it bleeds, it leads, and that's, it's sometimes just so disturbing. Mm. Uh, but he watches, and he may comment. He says, hmm, somebody has lost their way. He'll just say the simplest thing that just kind of, you know, kind of puts it in perspective. Or he'll say, I don't know why people are so mean to each other. I don't understand that. Like, I'm so happy that I can share my dad and his wisdom and his perspective on on various topics and, and just to, to give a range of, of uh, life experiences that he has shared and the learning that has come with that. So I, I, I do think that we need these stories. It's, it's timely. I've been working on this book for, because there were so many stories I had to synthesize which ones of his life and the lessons, and I wanted to get the details right and the stories that he'd shared, and I, I wanted to make sure I got it right. I only get one time to introduce my dad to all of you, and I wanted to do it well. I wanted to honor him, and I also wanted to share him. So I do think it is the perfect time, and I, I think everything has a, a time. There was some reason why the book didn't happen until now, mm. and it's here it is, and I think it is. it couldn't have come at a better time because character does count, and kindness matters. And he certainly epitomizes all of that. Yes. And as as you said early on, Nita, how you, there just have not been sufficient models of of strong, kind, loving black men as fathers. And here's an example. So it's not you know someone who's some star player, uh, uh, you know, on a in a movie. Right. But this is a book is going to really teach us so much more if we just read these various stories that you have had to win- winnow down, but mm-hmm. we can learn and incorporate that all of us, each of us, uh, men and women, but but certainly for fathers and, and aim to have a supportive society for where we can cultivate and, and support more black, good black fathers. I think that's so important. I think we, you know, there's a sort of playing the stereotype that can happen on television and media of black men, and the first thing we focus in on what, they, what they've done wrong. Uh, what, if, what if they've done good? What if they've done well? We don't focus on that. And 
I'm just happy that I can. My dad is one of those men that, that has been a light and a beacon in his neighborhood, community, church at large, anybody that needs him. And we do need more stories like this. And I hope that people, whatever race, color, ethnicity, will start to write down the stories of their families because we need all of these stories. We are all America. We're all, all of our stories matter. And um, I'm, I'm just really honored, and I feel, I tell him all the time, I can't hug you enough. I can't tell you enough how grateful I am to, have, to get to be your, your kid. And, and I don't think that fame is the only ingredient, I think I say this in the book, of a great life, of an extraordinary life. My dad is an example of that. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to create the light bulb. You can create the light in your community. You can be a rock star on your street. That matters. That makes a difference. Because when you do good in the community and when you present yourself in a way and are helpful, my, my parents would drive around and pick up kids in our little camper truck. We were not people of, of means by any stretch. My, my parents were working class people and take them to choir rehearsal on Wednesday. My mother was the bookmobile lady. She used to go and hand books beyond the city limits to people in the rural area just because that's what she thought she should do. When you leave a legacy like that, it outlives you. And isn't that what we all want to do? We want to leave something that outlives us. And I think for my dad, that legacy is love. Mm. Oh, it's so incredible. His life yes. that you share with us, this book really is a must-have book when your hand is in the lion's mouth, the life and wisdom of a man named Green. And I don't recall, I did see you had written a book about, oh, yes, here it is, Finding My Voice, My Journey Through Grief to Grace. When You mentioned how your dad's helped you and guided you through the time that you lost your husband. Yes, he was right there. In fact, he came out, and, he, and, and my late husband, he was very close. They were father and son. That was, that, that was just it. My late husband called him Pop, and he called, my dad called him Son. And it was a beautiful relationship. Um, yeah, and, and he was right there for me. He came and he stayed with me. He was like, I'm going to stay. I said, Daddy, at some point you've got to get back to your life. But he stayed about three weeks. And I said, I've got to, I've got to have. But he was the one that I called when I was having a rough day in that first year or the second year or the third year. Not having a good day, Daddy. He would talk to me until I. He just is always has been the voice of for the whole family. All, you know, there's 19. We're 19 siblings, so the cousins and the nieces and they are abundant. <laughs> <laughs> I have an enormous family, which I'm so grateful for. Yes. But he was the one. Let's call Uncle Green when there was a dispute, or let's call Uncle Green. He would always be the voice of reason, and I think he can be that through this book. There's just something that just calms me when I hear my dad's voice. If I'm dealing with something, I'll, oh, he talks me off the ledge. Or sometimes we just talk about the weather. It doesn't, it's not always a big to-do. Sometimes it's just us chatting about just life and how he's feeling and what's going on. And um, I'm just so grateful every day that I get to pick up the phone and call him and say, hi, Daddy, and I hear his voice back. Because not only because he's here, but because of what he is and what he has been and what he continues to be in the life of anybody who has ever met him. 
And that is the kind of gift we want to share with listeners, with everyone, to incorporate that into our own lives, men, dads, but we as women, too, to, you've learned from your dad to be that kind of person yourself. So what a great wish to extend out on Father's Day, uh, a wish for a, a, a very special Juneteenth for everyone. Yes. And uh, Nita Whitaker, I'm just so grateful. We never got to really talk about you and, and all that you have done in your life. But I think if people pick up the book and read about you, they'll see, too, what a, what a great man your father was and what he nurtured for you to become. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, and it is a father-daughter memoir. There are stories in my life that I directly called on him or he was there and he has been that bedrock. So it, it is a sharing of some of our, both of our, of our lives, but the way that they are intertwined, that his wisdom has been sort of the foundational springboard and comforter through what, whatever I've been going through in my life. The highs and the lows, my daddy's right there. Thank you for uh, taking the time to share my book with your listeners, and uh, I hope that they will get it and read it and enjoy it and get to know and have a piece of my dad. Absolutely. It's the best gift. If we're thinking of a gift for any occasion, really, baby gifts, look at that, sharing it with a family that's expecting a child. Yes. What a great gift is for family and fatherhood and faith and love. Yes. Amen. And thank you. And and thank you, Nita. This is I'm so grateful to you for this time, but certainly for you know really wanting to share your dad with all of us. Um, it's really been a very special gift to share. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Nita Whitaker and Sunday Morning Magazine with Anna Gottlieb from Cancer Pathways. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast. It's on our Warm 106.9 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of cherishing family and sharing our stories. Have a week of the same and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.